0: Hello and welcome to For and Against, where we look at the big issues in sport off the field of play, where we take sport seriously, at least sometimes. Uh, It's Paul Roach with you here once again, and it's a big welcome, as always, to Stephen Riley. G'day, Riles. Hey, Paul. Hi, everyone. Uh, Simon Johnson remains unaccounted for post-silly season, so it's just Steve and I who will guide you through this next little half an hour or so of entertainment. Uh, And speaking of, ahead in the show, we'll look at the state of Australian sport in summer. Who are the winners and the losers? Who's on the way up and who's on the way down? And what the hell is going on at the A-League? We'll run our eye over the top 25 moments in Australian sport, according to The Guardian. We'll marvel at the NRL's burgeoning property portfolio, plus a new kids' TV career for one of its stars. Uh, We'll also have an excellent edition of It's Not Sport But We Like It. And of course, we'll wrap up the show with Red Card, Yellow Card, where we poke fun at sports people who've done something silly off the field of play. So please do get involved by using the hashtag RCYC, Red Card, Yellow Card, on your favourite social media outlet to let us know if you see any such incidents. Speaking of the socials, you can get us on X, I think I've made the transition, at underscore. Uh, there is an Insta page for.and.against and the old email if you ever want to drop us a line for and against, F O R A N D, against, at hotmail.com. But for now, let's get into the show. Uh, and so, to the state of summer sport. As we start to wrap up another summer of sport, we thought. We'd run the rule over the popularity of each of the big ones in the current day, see if there are any meaningful trends, and consider some of the doomsday or overly optimistic predictions relating to our summer sports. Because Steve, I don't know about you, but there's always talk about you know cricket being under threat, or even the the, the big incumbent sports always being on, a, on under threat, and. I don't know there's more need for content across all our different media landscapes. There's more opportunity for sports to get some sort of coverage, and then that you know, inevitably puts some sort of risk, albeit small, that of, of being an interloper in the in the traditional sporting landscape.
1: Yeah, look, I, I think uh, part of it is you know a genuine intellectual debate, and I think part of it is uh, a curious mix of broadcast holders. Trying to use off seasons to negotiate down the price that they're prepared to pay mm. for the sport in the following year and 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 I think you can see you know some of the arguments you know logically contain a little bit of both. you think of the cricket season that that's just come and gone, it was uh, oh well, I think we referred to it a fortnight ago as a as an in between season a training season as a as effectively a like a practice mm. season between the big india and and uh and England tours. So, you know, a Channel 7, as they've done the last few years, sort of put the boot into Cricket Australia saying, oh, you know, if, we, if you don't do better, then the cricket might lose its spot at the top of the tree. And it wasn't that long ago that, that, you know, the same arguments being made about tennis. Now, I think, again, thinking back to a fortnight ago, we, we you know just saw how much work Tennis Australia has done to make tennis just an absolute must-see fortnight wasn't always the case. So, so I think mm. I think this is a actually, it's a bit of a beat up, and also somehow a,
0: a good conversation. Hmm. Yeah, it's a few vested interests in the talking up and talking down of sports. I suppose is, is what you're saying. But um, what's going to take it on? What's going to be, Paul? Tell me what could possibly take on cricket and tennis and win. Well, I mean, there's not a lot on offer there. I mean, it, if football ever got its act together, then um, you know maybe that's maybe that's. In fact, I'll bring forward a quote I was going to uh, run past you in in 2013. David Gallop. No, ah, excellent. Uh, I love this quote. Said, I can genuinely say our best years are still ahead of us. Football will become the largest and most popular sport in this country. That was in 2013 when he was running the A League when he was CEO of the A League. So. You know that in theory is a is a possibility, but no, nah, it's it's an imp- it's a it's a high improbability. Oh, uh, we've got. to But, no, you're like, but, but I think
1: that... we've got to go back to the videotape, my friend, and look up the for and against show that followed that quote, because I think you'll find <laughs> that at least one of our colleagues, and I'm prepared to to bet it was more than one, said, "Yep, yep, yep, Mr. Gallup's got it right," and I'm wow. pretty sure there was at least one of us saying, "You've got to be." kidding no. so kidding in fact that they've just given up on being the winter football sport and they've gone after summer instead to try to be the mm. the number one summer ball sport and they're still
0: failing yeah look i mean let's let's come back to football because i think that's uh you know as i mentioned in the intro there's something going on with the a league there yeah, that's worth talking about but um yeah as i say, i was i was ready to drag out that quote later on in the in this little uh, segment but i thought it was quite relevant <laughs> See, I mean, there's there's another way you look at it. You look look at attendances, and I think look, I think COVID COVID provided obviously the 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 opportunity for destruction. Destruction, Destruction, yeah, yeah, well, that that, too. But I (laughs) meant disruption. So (laughs) so it's a, it's, I mean, it's you know what they call a a black swan event, right? Something unexpected, and uh, you know, it's it's, suddenly it's an opportunity for other sports to go. Hey, hang on, tick. There's an there's an in here. But if you look at some attendances, there's some interesting numbers here. And for broader context, I've looked at sport across all of 2023. So we can include the, um, uh, the winter codes as well. So just looking purely at attendance. And obviously, this is not a per-game thing. You've got to sort of mentally factor in how many games each of these sports play. Um, but AFL had about 8.1 mil turn-up. I think that was an average of about 37,000 from memory uh, per game. And the NRL had 4.5 mil turn Turn up across 2023, and that's I think that came to about 18,000 per game. Now, football's an interesting one, it came in third at 4 mil. Now, you've got to take that with a little pinch of salt because that does include the Women's World Cup, uh, of which 1.3 mil turned up in Australia and 700,000 turn up in New Zealand, so 2 mil overall. And I got a feeling that that New Zealand component's actually included in that 4 mil. you know, remove the women's World Cup and we're looking at two mil turning up to football, which I still find an incredibly large number, mm. by the way. Yeah, but nonetheless, basketball comes in fourth at one point one mil. Again, a little bit interesting there. That's uh, that's a pretty healthy number. They do play a lot of games, but that did make me uh, scratch my head a bit. Uh, and look, Steve. I mean, there's just to sort of digress. There's a couple of other numbers I'll throw at you, but in a minute. But you know, basketball. That's a, that's a that's played over the summer that maybe at the kind of sport that's ready to explode you know there's a big nba following here the nbls worked hard on their products um you know we had paul smith who's a co-owner of the sydney kings come onto the show a little over 12 months ago we interviewed him in the lead-up to them playing the first ever da- uh, game on christmas day it was a really interesting chat we had with him um so you know they're they're, they're trying you know the little things like that so you know maybe basketball is a is a kind of sport that could step up and look you know I've got a son who's just started at a new school and and basketball's you know a lot more popular than what it was when I was in year five across that across that group of kids that's for sure um
1: Look, I think it, it comes a, uh, back a little bit to what we're measuring are we measuring TV ratings or or are we measuring the likelihood of an 11 year old wanting to play the sport and you know, if if, if we really, if we take a step back, you know, the the second goal is probably the more important one, and I, and I think you know we've got a few sports in Australia that um, I think sort of live this contradiction. Netball is one of them, where you have this mm. incredible participation, uh, and it doesn't translate. It's never translated to TV ratings, and I don't know why mm. that is. They've tried all sorts of fancy uh, angles and variations, and fast five, and fancy graphics, they're never quite nailed it. And when you see, and we'll talk about it later in the show when we talk about the, the most iconic sporting moments, women's sport is having a moment and netball for some reason isn't cutting through as one of those mm. one of those things. Um, I, th- I think that junior soccer is interesting and I, I sort of deliberately said that for a second just to point out that kids play a lot of football when they're round ball football when they're young and then and go somewhere else at about the age of 11. Um, mm-hmm. One other one that I think is an interesting one that's never had great TV is surfing. You know, There's three and a half million surfers around Australia, and oh, it's just not something that's ever translated to, to, uh, to, to good TV and good TV ratings, but they don't care. As far as they see themselves, they're a participation sport.
0: That's an awfully large number of people who... who... You're saying you're surfing.
1: Well, you know, it's it's uh, it's a it's a participation number. It's not an attendance number. Mm. So you take a, yeah, yeah, okay. you know, the whole population that lives around the edge of this great southern land, and Which apparently nice there's a, a you yeah, three and a half million of them who go for a dip. Mm. Maybe oh you yeah, know, mm. look, I didn't I didn't check the numbers, Paul. I apologise. I'll I'll go do it myself next time.
0: <laughs> That's <true. laughs> Signed off by KPMG. Yeah, I mean, and look again, I think that, I mean, your point's right about participation. I think that's a little bit um, harder to come by the number or maybe easier to massage the number. Mm. Um, whereas yeah. the attendances are probably n- nicely representative of the health of the the, the commercial end of the sport. Um, and I think that that dictates, well, that contributes very significantly to whether that sport still maintains its place at the heart of, in this case, the Australian summer. I mean, you know, the Australian Open, you mentioned earlier there, Steve, they had over a million people who came through the gates uh, just in the recent tournament. And look, even the even the Grand Prix, Melbourne Grand Prix, it had 130,000 people turn up on the Sunday in 2023. Apparently, uh, that's the biggest standalone sports event in the country since the 20, 2006 Victoria Derby. I assume that's, that's correct. And that's going to be repeated in 2024. The, the place sold out in a, in a matter of hours. So I think it's fair to say that the potential disruption of COVID has sort of been dealt with and we're back to where we started in many ways. Yeah, I think so. I, I tell you one thing that's changed a little bit.
1: Back when I was a kid, we used to watch the golf on a Sunday afternoon. You know, champions oh, like Roger for? Davis and Peter Senior with his funny little hat. Um, mm. And and it's interesting to me, um, with the the advent of, of Foxtel and KO, um, yeah, you can watch the US PGA tournament from somewhere in the world or European tour. And the Australian Open, Australian PGA, we are desperate to get a Cameron Smith in the house. And he came this year and it did all right, but it didn't kick start the season. It was a one off, four day actually he did sorry, it was a two off. He did two tournaments back mm. to back. And then golf disappeared for the rest of the year, the rest of the summer. Um mm. yeah, that these the sports we're back to you can't take it for granted. What's going to stay on top? Um, sometimes you just need mm. a champion, a personality, uh, a you know yeah. a Greg Norman. Um, but if they go,
0: hmm, watch out. I think that's the point that I was maybe trying to arrive at in in you know in the intro. So it it reminds me of that quote which I'm not going to get right, but it sort of relates to technology. It might be Bill Gates' quote, something on the lines of "We, um, we." Help me out here, Steve. We underestimate the, what's, how much change is going to occur in 10 years, but we overestimate how, what's going to happen in the next two. Yeah, and but it's more profound when you say, say it the other it way, way around. Yeah. Yeah. Give it to
1: me. That, that we, we um, I know you're me. We overestimate
0: what's going to happen in the next two years, and we underestimate yeah. what's going to happen in the next 10 yes that's sounding a lot better yeah. so you know we sit here and go well basketball might come good because you know there's a bunch of 11 year old kids but to your point Steve you know the, the the trend line can happen very very slowly over a long period of time and, and you know the ABC doesn't carry golf on a Sunday afternoon anymore yeah um, Yeah. anyway it's interesting and look I think um, just to sort of round this one off we do need to look at football because as you say Steve they've uh, abandoned winter some time ago I think now and uh are a summer sport here in the country. A, so they're not competing with the other football codes. B, so it aligns with the European football seasons. And I'm sure there's a C and maybe a D and an E and F. Um, but speaking of Fs, they've certainly had something of a fail. How do you like that? Um, <coughs> the, so the the Gallup quote there uh, about how the great they, was, they were going to become, that was in 2013. And now the APL, the Australian Premier Leagues, which was hived off from the FFA, or Football Australia now, in I think it was about 2019, uh, so not dissimilar to the Premier League back in the '90s, the clubs were looking to take control of the uh, the, the top the the, the top flight. Um, so yeah, so the APL is apparently imploding. Uh, it's shed about half of its 80-strong workforce across the holiday season. Their digital content hub, Keep Up, uh, is apparently not keeping up at all. Uh, and both the Knights and the Glory, I think I'm correct there, are looking for owners. Um, so, Steve, this this is the sporting problem child of the summer, and indeed possibly the year. And this is all despite all the goodwill from the Women's World Cup as well.
1: I was going to make the same point. I mean, if there was every year that they should have come mm. good, that they should have been able to 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 generate a little bit of interest and and some following, this was the one. So that it's, it hasn't worked. Look, I'm not, I'm not quite sure what to do with it. It, it. it makes you think of, when we talked about basketball, it makes you think a little bit about that, that you know, is Australia really just a nursery and we you know, can bring players through to a certain level. But if they want to mm. go any further or if they want to play in a league that Australians are really interested in watching, then they need to go overseas. You know, it's, it's a little mm. bit sad. But, you know, I come back a little bit to you know, the flip side of that that Greg Norman and golf story from the, the 80s and 90s is that you just need a champion. You need to stay in there and then someone will come along like, like you know, the, the West Indies might have their new champion in Shamar Joseph, um, you know, and, and all of a sudden things might change. That's the beauty of sport, at least I hope so, for
0: the A-League. Maybe you've hit on something there, Steve, Maybe uh, the sports that get the prominence, the big prominence in this country, are sports where you don't have to leave the country to be good. Rugby league, okay, so it's a you know, quasi international sport, but really the big time is in Australia. There are other leagues, but yep. you know you're doing very well if you make the, the top in Australia. You're doing very well in a global sense. Uh, Aussie rules, you know, QED. And look, even with um cricket i suppose oh, there's probably not a lot of foreign pathways full stop but um you know if you are playing for the australian side you are amongst the world's best kind of thing whereas yeah footballers you make the point very well basketball you know the creme de la creme is overseas at golf it's the same kind of thing i mean you can be a name here in australia but you're playing overseas so yeah maybe you've maybe you've hit on something there steve maybe you've maybe you've found the answer the great question to yeah, life the universe and everything don't make <laughs> so surprised <laughs> Yeah. overseas codes yeah. <laughs> yeah look it'll be interesting to see how the, the A-League unwinds from all that Did, were you even aware that there was a united round that A-League had a united round recently um, I think it was sort of towards uh, the end of Jan
1: unapologetically Paul
0: no <laughs> no nah, I only found out about it after the event so you know there's some work to do there on the promotion of the game alright let's leave the the summer there because the summer is starting to fade into the, into the distance and um, we'll move on to the shootout Yes, the shootout where we cover a few more topics in slightly shorter fashion. And uh, around the turn of the new year, the Guardian thought to put to a vote the top 25 Australian sporting moments. Uh, and there was the usual sort of list of, uh, of possibilities. I think there's a list of about 100-odd maybe, even potentially more. Uh, Steve, did you have a vote? Did you see this while voting was still open? I did not have a vote. Did you have a vote? I did have a vote. And I'm happy to report that my vote was number one. Uh-huh. Or at least... I voted for the number one outcome, and uh, I've, I assume you've seen the list. Stavis. I have There's seen no the playing list. Guessing for, I have.
1: Out. I have. No, I can't do yeah. the guessing game with you, but it it it's a fascinating list. Let's let's talk it about is. the list.
0: Yeah, what'd you get out of it?
1: Well, I mean, uh, the first one is the one you voted for: Kathy Freeman winning 400 meters at, at the Sydney Olympics. Um, yep. What what uh, an amazing moment! Just what a relief! I think uh, Raylan Boyle said
0: a few seconds later. And yep. it was just. That's huge. A, that, sorry, I'm going to jump. Can I yeah. jump in? That, that is an awesome piece of commentary. Bruce McAvaney says, "What a legend! What a champion!" Raylene, what a relief! Without missing a beat, it's such good insight. Here's the broadcaster: "What a legend! What a champion!" And the athlete saying, "What a relief!" That's that's one of the best bits of of commentary I've ever heard in sport. Sorry, mate, but you were saying
1: not at all. Look, there's there's a couple of interest. There's a, there's a few interesting ones, that I'm a bit surprised, but I'll come back to it. I, I'm I'm. There might be a slight recency bias. We'll, we'll see if these things are on oh, the list yeah. in a few years, but there are two from the recent Women's World Cup, uh, coming in yeah. second and coming in, 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 help me, Paul, ninth. We've yeah. got two from the Matildas. Do you want 12, to talk 20, us through those? Do you remember those as they happened?
0: Uh, I think I remember the – well, I mean, I was overseas for this. So I, oh, you like were too. Oh, well, allow me. Good. So Courtney Vine slots
1: the, the winning penalty – uh, in the the, uh, the the shootout against France, um, mm. huge, massive. That you know, you could feel you one of those <laughs> things where you could hear people shouting out the window from the neighbours next door. Just brilliant. <laughs> um, number nine, though, is Sam Kerr scoring in the semi-final against England, um, and we lost that match. It mm-hmm. it was an excellent moment, right? And I think I think Australia saw a champion. we talk about a champion. You talk about I mean we we were saying what, what could bring the A League to prominence in the summer? A champion? Well Sam Kerr, you know, who we were all watching her calf muscle for two weeks before the tournament. And when she finally, you know, limped on out there and scored this goal, I can it was amazing. Was it one of the top ten most iconic sporting moments of all time?
0: Yeah. Steve, not I not think. so sure. Recency bias, I think, is a uh, is a is a is a fair way of putting it. But uh, the superb moments, but in the overall scheme of things, because you contrast that with the, number three was Aloisi um, kicking a penalty to put Australia into the World Cup for the first time in a thousand years. Um, number four was a curious one, Steve. Um, Steve Bradbury, uh, doing a Bradbury there, uh, taking the gold in the. In the Winter Olympics, so I kind of I'm, I'm amused by that inclusion so high up the up the list. I, think, um, I, was also I can't decide whether I, I think it's.
1: Completed. Sorry, mate, I, I I can't decide whether it's it's a slight delay. To, um, I mean, I don't know whether it's because Melbourne's so far ahead of Sydney or the other way around. <laughs> anyway, um, but Bradbury, doing a Bradbury, is a thing. right like, that's a phrase there. You, you don't mm-hmm. say doing a Freeman or doing a Vine or doing an Aloisi, which were the the three ahead of it. Doing a I'm Bradbury, sure. it's it's um,
0: it is iconic. It is it mm. is, yeah. Mm. Okay, yeah. Maybe I shouldn't be as surprised then. Um, Peter Norman at number five. So he who um, uh, made a gesture in support of the uh, the two black athletes. In oh, Jesse the Owens. Olympics. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah, and and who was very much sidelined with the Australian um, athletic bureaucracy for quite some time afterwards. Yeah. Uh, Australia 2 comes in at number 6, and Cadell Evans comes in at number
1: 7. Look, I was pretty pleased with uh, the Cadell Evans and the uh, Peter Norman ones, to be honest. I I mean, perhaps Mm. that's the nature of the Guardian readership. I don't know. (laughs) It's one of the more iconic. It's not not iconic. One of the more intellectual uh, top Mm. sporting. I wonder if we went down the local pub or we checked in the Telegraph or the Herald Sun whether we'd get the same list. That would be an interesting study,
0: actually, yeah. Um, look, it's not, number eight isn't particularly intellectual. The ball of the century from Warney. i am not sure that's—I uh, um, don't know. It's iconic. It, oh, it's name uh, another ball uh, for it, me. Was,
1: you know, what's the first uh, bowling or the most famous bowling uh, cricket you've ever seen? Be right up uh,
0: there. Anyway, we could go on and on. It, it, <laughs> I mean number 24 was Laver's two grand slams his second of his two grand slams Ash Barty was 15 and 16 for the for Wimbledon and the Aussie Open um, the the other one I did like and I'll I'll leave my section here and throw it to anyone any more you've got Steve but number 17 Mick Fanning punching the shark not jumping the shark punching the shark I mean is that even a sporting moment I mean boxing comes to surfing I, that's that's Coming in at number seventeen, Mick Fanning go on the, the go on the, the the bash on a shark. Love it.
1: I love it. No, no, I get nothing to add after that. That's sensational. That's that mm. is iconic Australian sport. So with, right there, Mark. and three and a half million people around the country relate it. There you go.
0: <laughs> so with that being said, that those results, that's, the Freeman moment was got more than double the votes of the Courtney Vine moment. Um, now I know. Last show, Steve, you uh, said that the second of Feb, two and two, should be our national day. I did. Maybe some consideration. I'm only being half joking. It should be given to September twenty-five, the day that Cathy won the uh, the four hundred. Wow. Yeah. I Anyhow, it's I was not it's out not there. summer,
1: you know. There might yeah, be a grand final weekend
0: or. Oh, a... good point. Yeah, yeah it's grand final territory. Scrap that. Should have thought of that a bit more. Oh well, it's good fun while it lasted. Uh, look, I just, I just want to get a bit, got a bit of a rant here, Steve. just want to get this off my chest here on the shootout. Uh, Bathurst. Bathurst, Bathurst, Bathurst. Now, you've been at Bathurst. We've been to Bathurst. I uh, had a lot of fun up there, Steve. The iconic mountain, that one race of the year, that 1,000-kilometer race. Yep. Man and machine yep. all day, going round and, yep. round and round and round. Yep. But, 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 supercars, in their wisdom, have decided to milk that cow just a little bit harder. And for the last few years now have held a 500-kilometre race early in the season. In fact, it's a se- the season opener. It's, a, it's on a roundabout now. In addition to the traditional 1,000-kilometre 1, one that's held uh, typically October and has been November, I think, once upon a time. Uh, now, this 1,000-kilometre race has been going since 1963. It has mystique, and we need to protect the sanctity of that event you need to not race the category at the mountain other than the 1,000-kilometer event. It's bad enough that once upon a time it was a standalone race and you just race for Bathurst. But now, and for some time now, it's been part of the championship. That's bad enough. But now you've got two races at Bathurst, and I'm not a fan. Now, I realize that the horsepower is well and truly bolted on this one, but I just wanted the world to know that I'm not happy. And if you're an old fuddy-duddy motor racing fan like me, you've got a friend. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, look, I'm, I'm with you, Paul. This is outrageous. This is like, like playing, you know, a, a, a tennis tournament at Wimbledon, you know, a few months, you know, before or after the the, the proper one. This is, exactly. this is like playing another golf tournament or, at Augusta National and Twice saying, away. you know, it's not you the just- Masters, but it's, you know, it'll be just as good. No, it's not. And it diminishes both.
0: Yeah. And as much as... They'll get a bit of a flippant tone of voice as I say that. It's in part because I'm scared of your reaction, but uh, yeah, I mean that's they're perfect parallels. You know that that their locations that are, you know, almost spiritual places where sport happens, and you their annual events, and you you leave them alone. Um, I, it's interesting actually, though, that they're sort of turning into this a bit of a gather round uh, of motorsport because it's not just the uh, the 500k supercar race, the week. Uh, is it prior to that? Yeah, the week prior to that, the weekend prior to that is the Bathurst 12 Hour, and the Bathurst 12 Hour sort of on again off again has been going for might, might even be 30 years. Mm-hmm. I got, got a feeling 94 it first started. Um, so they're they're turning this into the Bathurst Superfest. So it's a 10 day festival. There's the build up to the uh, the 12 Hour, and then and there's a week of sort of community events, and then the the V8 supercars ship in and do their race. So uh, yeah, see how Look, that is. I never minded patronized. the 12 Hour
1: you know to me that was a, a different different enough that it didn't sully or diminish right it wasn't the v8s going around yep. it was yep. a different set of cars arguably well i don't know if it's a different crowd or not but
0: it, oh, if, to a degree it, yeah for sure yeah.
1: yeah
0: yeah i'm not i'm not complaining about the 12 hours as much because i'm sort of with you it is it's a different event it's just the the v8s doing the doing bathurst twice not happy jan not happy and uh, moving on in the shootout, uh, rugby league. Now, never work with children or animals, is the saying in showbiz circles. Well, uh, Knights fullback is Knights, isn't he, uh, yeah, Steve? Yeah. And yeah. reigning Dalian medalist, is that right? Oh, okay. Kalen obviously. Ponga?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's him.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. He took that one little saying one step further recently, stepping onto the set of iconic children's TV show Play School and working with stuffed animals. Um, stuffed animals in the form of Big Ted, Little Ted, and some Johnny-come-lately going by the name of Morris. What? Were you aware there's an? Yeah, that's what I said, Steve. (laughs) Morris. Yeah, (laughs) there was three Teds. I was very put out. I only knew of Big Ted and Little Ted. Now, suffice to say that those Teds didn't really give Kalen a lot to work with, but at least they made him look, well, good, you know. Um, Kalen did seem to hit his straps, though, more in the second half uh, of the book, that is, uh, the book being The Speedy Sloth. Um, so it was a very interesting um, hit out there from Kaelin. Um To give some context to those that haven't taken in Play, the, uh, play School for, for quite some time, such as myself, uh, it does seem that they now farm out the storytelling duties to, to celebs, for want of a better term. Uh, I presume it's a good revenue spinner for the ABC. I mean, you'd have agencies the country over trying to get their people onto the, uh, the storytelling gig on, on, the, on Play School. Uh, so other celeb storytellers of late have been uh, comedian Mel Buttle, Cat Empire frontman Felix Rebel, I believe, and uh, TV chef Miguel Mustre. So, um, Steve, did you take in uh, Kalen's work on Play School at all?
1: Look, I didn't. I, I must say, of, of all things, I saw it on social media, and oh. and most of the comments were a little bit surprised that he could read so good. Uh, <laughs> but um, you know, that's, that's a bit harsh. Steven. I think. Good on him. Good on him. It's uh, it's good to see.
0: Mm. Uh, still on league, having had the willies frightened out of them when they almost went to the wall due to COVID, the NRL has started to build a property portfolio. Mm. Now, rather than stadiums like the NFL, it's not the NFL, the AFL have done with, um, with um, Docklands or whatever it's called these days, the NRL has been going after hotels, uh, the accommodation type that is, rather than the uh, beer serving type, although, you know, I'll come to that as well. Uh, so they recently picked up the, the, I think it was the Mercure, on the on the Goldie for about twenty mil, uh, and their portfolio is now about sixty or sixty five mil. So um, could be a good place for players to stay next time they set up a club in Australian sports Bermuda Triangle, maybe up on the up on the Gold Coast. Ask them um, for but trouble, I'm just wondering, Steve, whether they've considered that they should probably start buying up league player trouble spots, uh, keep all those red card, yellow card nominations in house. You know, start with. Um, Actually, no. I'd better not name names, but you get the idea. What do you reckon? I think that's that's got some legs.
1: I, I think you're right. I think you know we better think of a new segment to replace red card, yellow card. If all of these uh, rugby league hotels are, uh, are taking players behaving badly, yeah, you know, behind closed doors, then uh, yeah. you know, Peter Volandis might have you know have another master stroke on his hand,
0: <laughs> scuppering an in- entire segment. I don't know, make it all more, all the more juicy when we finally get our hands on it. There'll be leaks, they'll leak it to red card, yellow card, oh. I'm sure, Steve. And finally on the shootout, it's not sport, but we like it. It's an occasional segment we drag up when uh, when it, when when there's something that happens that's not quite sport, but it's competitive and it's worth, uh, worth us talking about. So, folks, pleased to announce we have a new Australian world champion. In December of 2023, an actuary – yes, you heard that right, stay with us – an actuary by the name of Andrew Nye – uh, reclaimed the title of Excel World Champion. Yes, yes Microsoft yes. program that, that we're all familiar with. And it comes complete with a boxing-style belt, apparently. Uh, it was televised live on ESPN. Uh, the This eSport, apparently it's an official eSport. I'm not sure who gets to um, uh, put that imprimatur on it. Uh, it attracts competitors from around the world and is held in. Vegas, of course. There's... Screaming com- commentators. They sit in gaming chairs. These big screens. You get the idea. Steve, did you take in any of the World Excel Championships uh, on SPN uh, in December?
1: So, so again, I, I saw it after it happened, and then uh, watched it. And then I v- up to the highlights. Um, <laughs> I think, I think, I think you're going to think I'm biased here, but uh, um, he's got a nickname. You know, Andrew Nye. He's the Andrew, the Annihilator Nye. And uh, this is actually his, I think it's his third. I think it's a three-peat. Yes. Yeah. You know, so I, I don't know if he just, you know, copy-pasted the formula, but he has, <laughs> you know, defended his title. Um, you, you've yeah. really
0: thought about this one, haven't you? Not really. Uh, this is uh, all off the cuff. It's that clever. Even better. Uh, I think uh, you're right. I think it might be his third. I think the difference, difference with this one is the competition's a bit more established. I think the other two were sort of 2018, 2019, when. There weren't that many people, but it was more of a genuine competition um, this time around. And for those wondering what that competition was or is, so apparently in each round there are eight players. They're given a stack of data and uh, some instructions that go with it. Now, each contestant then, as you'd imagine, comes up with formulas and presumably macros and VLOOKUPs and pivot tables and all that zany stuff to solve or resolve whatever problem is put in front of them. And then every seven and a half minutes, the lowest scorer is eliminated. Whoa. And- Exactly, exactly. So I, I think that'd make good telly. I didn't see any of it, but um, that has the potential maybe to, to make good telly. So good on Andrew. Um, it, it's, it's probably worth pointing out that Andrew topped the state in maths for his uh, HSC, the New South Wales HSC uh, in his year, and um, he actually got 99.95 in the HSC, uh, having intended James Roost, which uh, from people out of New South Wales uh, is notorious for topping the HSC tables in New South Wales. So there you go. Good pedigree. Congratulations, Andrew, our latest Aussie world champion. On to red card, yellow card, where we wrap up the show by uh, illuminating some indiscretions of uh, people, sports people, that is, off the field of play. Stephen Riley, what do you got for us this show? Look, I have one that is crazy and new,
1: but actually... Curiously uh, reminiscent of something you know, very very similar, Chinese chess. <laughs> Tell us Chinese chess.
0: Not not Chinese checkers.
1: Not Chinese checkers. Oh. Chinese chess. Actually, mm-hmm. way back when, I think 1998, my wife and I were travelling through China. We caught a train from uh, Beijing. I think it was to Tianjin, and uh, we got talking, almost in sign language. This uh, family that were sitting uh, across the uh, uh, the, the, the seats from us. And this little kid taught me Chinese chess. He, he pulled out a set and mm. it's got, it's similar to a chess board. It's got a couple of, um, crisscrosses on sort of the the, 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 on both sides of the, the middle. And, and they talk about cannons, or at least that's what I thought he was trying to get across. Um, anyway, so it's, it's similar, but different Anyway, it's it's still incredibly important, and, and you can imagine that there's uh, a lot of people who play it. So the uh, the, the the Chinese World Championships are um, actually I don't think this was the World Championships. This was just a, a national tournament. Uh, were thrown into disarray when, well, this this thing just uh, worked around on itself. Rumors started circulating that one of the players had cheated by using. And I'm not entirely sure what all of these words mean, Paul, so bear with me. Oh, by, don't let it stop you. Yeah. <laughs> by using anal beads equipped with oh. wireless transmitters to send and receive signals.
0: Wowzers. And he, Yarn yeah, okay. that is,
1: okay. his name, allegedly, allegedly, clenched and mm-hmm. unclenched rhythmically to communicate information about the board to a computer which then sent back instructions. What was he communicating in Ask Code? Well, you, now, you're thinking, that's enough. That's enough. That's what you're nominating for. No, that's not, Paul. That's <laughs> oh, not. Because later that Jesus. night, he did went to win the tournament, but he was stripped of his title because um, he has gone home, gone back to the hotel, and had such a big party that he's ended up, apparently, allegedly, at least according to the authorities, who stripped him of his title... He's ended up defecating in a hotel bathtub. Now, obviously those beads made things a little bit hard to control back there. Oh. And it was a complete accident. But <laughs> and if it had happened in a rugby league owned hotel, we'd be none the wiser. But it happened in China. He's been stripped of his title.
0: He's not happy. <laughs> I'm so glad we're all the wiser, given it happened in China. Oh yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um. Right. Let's move swiftly on. Should so <laughs> you say yellow, red oh, card? Gotta maybe a,
1: it's got to be a red yeah. card. Please. Okay.
0: All right, Jono, come back. Please come back. <laughs> you know um,
1: he would have. He would have enjoyed that even more than I did.
0: Yeah. yeah I think. I think you're probably right, actually. Uh, so my one. It, look, it's a month or so old now. But part of the value of red card, yellow card is the timely uh, re-illumination of misdeeds that think they've sort of ridden out the news cycle. So given the AFL season is just around the corner, I thought it'd be worth regurgitating the minor PR disaster that befell Collingwood uh, in sort of mid-January, I think it was, when they released a video uh, of Jeremy Howe, one of their players, showing off some new training facilities at, uh, at Collingwood. HomeBase got a bit of an upgrade, uh, read the, the, well, the tweet. Am I, am I still calling them tweets? I mean, the Twitter is now X. Are they still being called tweets? I think they're I posts. The verbi- Carry on, I'll get back
1: X. to you.
0: Yeah, okay, please. A bit of live research here on uh, for and Against. Uh, yeah, so home base got a bit of an upgrade, read the post on X. Now, the problem was it was the old netball court from the now-defunct Collingwood netball team. It even still had hoops at either end, so the body wasn't even cold. Uh, Now questions were asked uh, as to, you know, for example, whether the pies benefited from funding designed to support women's sport. Now, whether or not that's actually the case, we are not uh, drawing comment on. But um, you know, irrespective of where the money came from, it was a heck of an own goal from Collingwood, and indeed, certainly most of the comments on social media suggested that that was that was a widely held view that they were kind of. eh, Bragging is maybe too strong a word, but they were certainly dancing, uh, kind of literally, um, on the uh, on the old netball court that uh, they decided to to chuck in.
1: Uh, look, it's a good thing that uh, you have Collingwood fans and you have anyone but Collingwood fans. So you know that side were already, and here's the uh, the, the vernacular for
0: you: posting mm. on X. It's a post. Yeah. Okay. Posting. Yeah. Oh okay. no, um, so post. It's a post.
1: Yeah. Or a repost. Gotcha.
0: Yeah. Oh well, indeed. Okay, mm. thank you for bringing me up to speed there. Uh, so I'm oh, look, I'm going red for Collingwood there. I think it was a bit cheeky and and inconsiderate. Um, yeah, hey, hey. yeah. Bit sort of not very not very self aware. Yep, yep. A number yep. of things. I agree. And you know so, what?
1: If they'd actually
0: pulled their weight, netball would have been a big summer sport. Oh well. Exactly, exactly. So it's been killed off. That, that's why these footy teams bought up. Netball teams to kill it off to make sure it wasn't a threat. <laughs> we figured a, it conspiracy out. The conspiracy for you, got him. exactly. Alrighty, so with that red card for the Collingwood Footy brackets netball, rest in peace, club. Uh, that brings us to the end of another edition of For and Against. Uh, so it seems that we should just therefore say goodbye, Stephen Riley. Look, I think I think Paul, we may appear in the
1: Guardian's most iconic podcast moments of all time with today's show. So, uh, you know, you were there, and you listeners, you were here too. Thanks for joining. I think us. that's appropriate. Yeah, it's
0: it's goodbye from me, Paul Roach. Uh, don't forget, you can find us on X at For and Against underscore. I think an email if you want. For and Against at hotmail.com. But until another fortnight's time, it's goodbye once again from me, Paul Roach. See you next time. Bye for now i